Happy Wednesday, everybody. Happy Wednesday. Well, Mark, it's that time. What's your rant this week? Okay. Uh, I'm making a generalization. Don't get mad at me. I think that all Massachusetts drivers should have their licenses <laughs> revoked. Uh, all, all. All Massachusetts drivers. Okay. If you grew up in another state and, and did your driver's ed somewhere else, then you can keep your license because you're probably a better driver. You you learned better things. <laughs> this sounds super educated, let me tell <laughs> As I'm saying it, I'm like, uh, <laughs> and somebody's going <laughs> to be like, she definitely went to public school. <laughs> um, okay, but really, let's let's get serious for a second. Hold on. Massachusetts drivers are some of the worst I've ever encountered I am from New Jersey I am very everybody thinks that Jersey is horrible for like a plethora of ways but like also people think that Jersey drivers Philadelphia drivers and New York drivers are terrible and I would say we're literally not and Massachusetts is the worst I've ever it's like the worst state I've ever driven in I never feel safe people don't use their turn signals they also Use their turn signals and then like get over right away. Well, I was going to say so, they they use them. We just we just use okay, them in listen, the process of turning. Sometimes, <laughs> sometimes you don't use them at all, and then other times it's like, you know how I explained it to Mark. I said, this is a weightlifting reference for those of you who don't lift. I'm sorry. Okay, so there's there's doing a snatch. And then there's doing a clean to a push press. And I look at using the turn signal like doing the clean to the push press, right? There are two steps. One, you turn the signal. And then once you know the coast is clear, then you get over, right? A snatch, you're going straight up to the ceiling. And that's Massachusetts drivers. It's like blinker flicks on and you're going. That's it. It's like more efficient. So like your hands are already going up. You hit the blinker. You just put it on the wheel and then it just keeps going. Sir. It's all one beautiful motion. That is exactly. See? That is exactly. You are proving (laughs) my point. What driver's ed teacher just says like, oh, it's all one one motion. Just, it's a basic courtesy of other people on the road, keeping people safe, keeping yourself safe your vehicle safe the other people in the car safe like god forbid so sorry that i would like to survive my trip to target and back there's my rant yeah no i feel you Do better. I, I feel you and i think probably the uh the most the most specific way that i've seen that come to be is when i had to go to naperville we had done an acquisition as a business what, like, what is naperville naperville is a um a little town in uh illinois okay and we show up there and like we're driving around and like people are coming to full stops at like stop signs and shit like that and like (laughs) there's they see a person like walking down the street about 50 yards down and they'll stop and wait for the person we're like where are we it it was it was amazing so anyway maybe we should move to what did you say it was naperville naperville maybe i'm sure there are lots of black people exactly right i'm sure everyone looks like me yeah i think there is one i think we saw the one one One. exactly (laughs) lord it was probably someone's housekeeper or (laughs) nanny or something anyway what's your rant so i guess it's it's sort of similar because it involves a vehicle once again but it's like Walking with Zion in the morning, mm-hmm. 6.30 a.m., mm-hmm. down the street, 
And your like, face right now. <laughs> people are pulling into their driveways. Not like you know, this is an, an Uber or something like that. And even if it was an Uber, I'd still have a problem. People are pulling into their driveway okay. to pick up their child or something. And they beep the horn. It, first off, it's 6 in the morning. Secondly, it's your driveway. Get out <laughs> and go get your child. Thirdly, there's a thing called cell phones that actually you can text and call on. And say, come downstairs. Come downstairs. I'm here. Versus beeping a horn. You know, listen, I'm going to agree with you on this one because it's obnoxious during, like, don't, don't beep. There's no need to. There's just no need. I I agree. There's none. Um, uh, send a text or get your ass out of the car and go inside. And right. get if you're the about to you like need. hit someone on a scooter, use your horn. <laughs> right. That would be the time to use the horn. Not if you are sitting parked in a driveway and you're just too lazy Wait, to get up. Oh my gosh. This also reminds me just like just pure courtesy. So we have a neighbor like three or four doors down. And so we all have our own driveway. And then there are, you know, like community spots, right? For when you have guests or people who have two cars or whatever, whatever. This particular neighbor has <laughs> has a community spot right next to her driveway. It's a random spot. Like, no one else has this on our street except her. So not only does she park her second car there, which makes sense, yeah. like, you know, if we had another car, I would probably park there too. But here's where it gets shitty. Yes, this is, this is. She will not leave that spot open. And Mark has seen this happen. So why don't you explain the little switcheroo that they do? Because once you told me about it, it made me so angry. Yeah, yeah like literally she'll, she'll come out, she'll pull the car out, wait for someone else in her household to then pull their car out. She will pull out. They'll pull their car in. She will go do her errands. I mean, literally. So, like, her driveway will be clear, but that spot, spot is, is taken. Is always taken. And and it's happened, like, when I bring Zion out, right? It, we're out for maybe no more than 25 minutes, typically, yeah, right? Yeah, Like, within the span of 25 <laughs> minutes, I have watched this whole process happen, right? <laughs> she pulls out. She goes do her thing. She comes back. She sits there, beeps the horn. Someone comes no out, way. She beeps does too. the switch again, she pulls back into her driveway, and then that other spot is retaken. It just, for me, just park somewhere else and walk. That's all. Exactly. Park someone else and walk. Exactly. Like, Going back to our rant. It's a community spot. Three weeks it's ago. It's not your spot. Yes. You don't own this home. Hi, sweetheart. We are all <laughs> renters. Okay? You got Oof. one spot, and it's your driveway. Whatever. All right. Now we've ranted. That was fun. I, I propose we turn this whole podcast into <laughs> it's much more fun to just complain. <laughs> so, okay. Today's topic actually is going to be mostly Mark-led. I have questions for you that I want to ask along the way. And like, you know, I always have something to say. But I am so interested in your perspective as a leader um, and so just in case anyone's newer to the podcast, can you give us a tiny bit of background um, as to like, you know, what you do, how long you've been uh, in a leadership role, like, you know, that sort of thing, just so people kind of know the context. Yeah, context. so 
have uh, been in effectively corporate spaces uh, formally for about about 30 years um, and uh, within those spaces been a leader for about 25 of them um, in some way shape or form right different types of teams some external facing teams like customer facing which is kind of where I am today um, and internal teams engineering right so I've had the opportunity to work with a lot of different uh, people different types of organizations um, and you know even some some acquisitions and integrations so that's kind of my background for context. Thank you. You're welcome. And so today we're talking about uh, the art of giving feedback. And we'll talk about receiving feedback a little bit too. But um, I don't even remember how we came to this. But we know that feedback is is just like a part of life, whether you're in corporate or not. It certainly is in the fitness space, right? Like everyone has an opinion about the kind of the kind of workout they want, the kind of trainer they want, all those things. And so um, somehow we came to the idea that this was this was a critical conversation because giving feedback truly is an art. And I thought that Mark is so I make fun of him and I call him a politician just to make fun of him. But truly, you're you're someone who's just like so great at supporting people because I've listened to you on calls now for four years right so I know your management style and and you support people while giving them tough feedback and uh giving people food for thought and and sort of maybe where their opportunities lie I think you're really good at um you're really good at getting to know people and so like I'll hear you at times um when you have like a really good rapport with someone, sometimes you'll use comedy and and jokes to kind of keep it light. Um, sometimes your conversations are very, very serious. Um, you know, sometimes you let other people give the feedback that they like you let them self assess. Yep. Right. And you yep. kind of you kind of like wait and see what they're going to say. Um, you're just so amazing at people. And, and I think that this is, I don't know, feedback is really hard. Our ego is attached to it. There's just like a lot of things that are going on on both ends. And so is there anything, before I ask a few questions, is there anything that you just want to say off the bat about giving feedback? I I don't even know where you want to start. Anything. So first off, I mean, thank you for that. That was very humbling. Um, But I think you, you just nailed it which is you know feedback is one of those things where you can't apply a formula or it's not a science it is more like improv right you even mentioned comedy I mean I think that is the nucleus of what makes for successful feedback whether you're you know a coach whether you're talking about your partner corporate spaces it doesn't matter right Right. Um, and and if there's kind of three real basic elements um, you know I think the, the biggest things is to always kind of focus on behavior and not emotion and not the person, right? Don't judge mm. the person. You can judge the behavior of the person, right, is, but right, don't right. judge the person because that's going to shut them down. That's um, really great for teachers, actually. Just like, sorry that I've been interrupting, no, but good. because especially when we talk about restorative justice practices, specifically for black and brown kids, specifically for black boys and black girls, right? Um, we have all this evidence across our education system where 
teachers will attack the child, right? And and have all these feelings when it's really about more about the child's behavior and digging into like why that behavior is happening, exactly. right? Versus like you are not a bad kid. Yes. You can't hit someone with your backpack. What you yeah, know what I mean? Exactly. Like they're two different things. Yeah, two completely different things. But yeah, that's exactly right. You you would you judge the kid, you judge the parents, you judge a bunch of other things, the previous teachers. Right, right, um, right. But it's all about the behavior. So I, I do think that's, that's like really great. A, a primary one. The second one, which I think, you know, a bunch of people have heard is it needs to be kind of timely, respectful and constructive. Right. Um and then the the third kind of basic one is and and probably something that I think a lot of people forget is don't stockpile it. Right. Like if you have feedback to give as much as possible, give it as close to when the event or the behavior occurred as possible. Right? So you're saying don't say you've done this 17 times now. Exactly right. right? And, and I've never given you feedback real time. So going back to our previous discussions, right, what you allow is what you teach. Mm-hmm. So every time they do something that is. That is basically, you know, against one of your boundaries. If we're talking about like a personal relationship right. or something that is not what you want in a corporate space, you, you have to kind of provide the feedback in the moment. Otherwise, they've done it. They know you've seen it. And the fact that you didn't say anything, they're clocking that. And they're like, OK, yeah. this must be OK. Right. So, yeah, that's real. so I think that's the, the, the core, the core of it. And then I think there's a lot of right, ancillary pieces. OK, OK. Um, are you a fan of like the feedback sandwich? No, no, I'm oh, not. Oh, I'm so I'm glad not. I asked this. I'm okay. not. Because, because I think, because everyone talks about that, right? Yes. And it becomes superficial and, and forced, right? I do, I am a fan of making sure that in every feedback session, you do kind of try to ground something positive, okay. right? Um, you know, even if it's, you know, a presentation that went immensely poorly, you could say, you know, clearly this is a really well-organized presentation. You did a lot of work behind the scenes. Here's some feedback in terms of how you might have, you know, had your points stick a little bit better. Okay. Um, so there needs to be something that immediately disarms them. And I think the other thing that does, which is probably one of the biggest core aspects, is like no one is really going to listen to feedback if they don't trust you. Yeah. And if you're not someone who is constant about giving feedback, and in fact, you know, even if they're small things, if you continue to give a lot of like positive feedback when something else occurs like it's normalized right we're always talking versus the yeah. only time i hear about feedback is when something goes wrong right? that is super important i feel um and like i won't mention any names but you and i have had this conversation a lot in the past when i worked for you know studios that were not down under because it was that whenever I was getting feedback or getting a phone call or, or like, hey, can we chat? It was always just like the sense of dread because it never felt like, well, because I knew it was going to be something bad and not bad is like relative. It could be I knew it was going to be an opportunity yep, or something that I could improve on, um, which is totally fine. But it by contrast, I never heard anything good. I never really heard, um, you know, just there was never, uh, to your point, such a culture of feedback that uh, you were sort of like you expected it. You expected to always be in conversation. I think maybe that's what it is. It's like 
a conversation, a dialogue, uh, a relationship that has sort of tr a mentorship, right? There's like, there are certain things that, um, there are certain relationships that are more conducive to feedback than others. And I, and I'm sort of have this like visceral <laughs> like memory of feeling like I can't do anything right. And yeah. that's, and especially when you're client facing, it's, it feels awful because then you walk into the room and you're like, uh, does everyone in here hate me? Are they only taking my class because this time works for them? Am I an awful trainer? Am I hurting people's feelings? And, and like that feedback loop in your head is bad for business. Like it's just not, you're right. You and, know, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to kind of spin this back to you, for, you know, in this moment, because, you know, I've watched how people that you've spoken to had conversations with even sometimes when you've you know provided some feedback in some cases some critical feedback but you've done it from the position of already having a trusted relationship yeah my point is watching how those individuals react to having the space for you to meet them where they are not ask them for more than what they can give right but but recognize that you're doing something that you're you're certainly capable of and you're just not doing it versus trying to force them into a position where like you're asking something from them that they can't do. Right. Yeah. And it goes back to like we're conditioned. We have this trauma, whether it was through our parents or through our schools, where feedback is always this negative thing where we pack in our emotions mm -hmm. so we don't say anything. Mm -hmm. And I think you are also really good about creating safe spaces where feedback and communication can occur two way. And yeah. uh, I think it's just a really important point. Thank you. I appreciate that. I mean, obviously, I'm human, and sometimes feedback really pisses me off. But it usually has to do more with the source, I'll be honest, than anything else. Like certain people, I don't want to hear feedback from because I don't trust them or I don't respect them or I don't feel like um, they're supportive or they're seeing me or they know me really well or – Right. And so sometimes like, you know, it it's hard for me to hear certain feedback if the source is not a source that is particularly trustworthy for me. doesn't mean the feedback's not useful, but to your point, I do think it's important if you're someone who has to give feedback um, to sort of it, it. There's like a little bit of self-assessment that goes on. How am I? How am I coming across to this person? Are they going to hear me? Um, what am I saying? Like, you know, what are, what are all the pieces of information I know about this person that's going to help them actually hear this? Uh, so um, there, isn't a, there isn't a framework in the same way, but, you know, you introduced me to the love languages, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And to yeah. me, I, I see feedback in a very similar way. Oh, I love that, right? yeah. Which is like every person mm -hmm. a has their own strengths and weaknesses so mm -hmm. understand sometimes you're asking them for, to do things that they can't do to our previous point mm -hmm. um but sometimes there are people who really want direct feedback they don't want any flowery bit behavior that's just how they take it best and there are others that are gonna, just going to shut down so knowing like what's your feedback language so to speak or it helps you calibrate how you communicate to those individuals and so for you as a leader how do you 
sort of find out someone's feedback language? Do you is that something you ask directly? How do you best receive feedback? Early on in relationship, it is going to be one of okay. my first questions, okay. which is, you know, when we have our sessions, when we're doing career planning, when any feedback has to happen, how do you prefer hearing about it? Okay. And the other thing is, like, how do you process it? So there are people who want to have a dialogue real time, and I've had conversations where they've been like, you know, Mark, this has been really great feedback. I need to process this, right? Can we have another session in a couple of days? And the answer, of course, is yes. Right. I think that's that's really helpful. And so how have you, over the years, been able to build trust so that people, <laughs> you know, so that people develop a relationship with you and then they, they are able to receive your feedback? Because I'm sure back in the early days when you were like a fresh manager, it probably went poorly a few times oh my god like one of my like <laughs> to this day like one of the things that that truly bothers me is there was there was an employee of mine um who was really an incredible leader she had led qa for me uh quality assurance for me when i was running engineering and um and the project went south like really badly south and was it her fault see this is this is the problem okay it, if I really kind of knew it was it it was not all her fault. She certainly contributed to it, right. but it really wasn't all her fault. Um, the issue was there were a lot of people, a lot of her peers in the organization that came to me with a lot of very visceral feedback, and and oh. I relayed that to her pretty directly without any color, without any context, really early in my career. And to this day, I still feel immensely bad for it because, because it wasn't. Because you crushed her soul. I crushed her soul, and it wasn't long after she left. Damn. And she was one of the most motivated, engaged employees that I ever had. Right. So, so that definitely was one of you know the biggest learning moments for me. Right. Um, you yeah. can't just you can't just like relay feedback like it's you know word salad. You just you have to be intentional and thoughtful about. And also, you need to connect the dots for people. Like, when you're giving feedback, it can't just be, hey, this is wrong. But, like, everyone has a why. Everyone's looking for something, whether they want to be a leader, whether they want to, you know, continue their career, whether what's really important to them is to, like, be seen as a collaborator and an influencer. Mm -hmm. You can always connect the feedback to the thing they want more of. And mm -hmm. the more you can connect mm -hmm. those dots, the more they're going to get the engagement. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, and that sort of goes – all this goes in line with your – three focuses on the beginning in the beginning of this podcast focusing on the behaviors making sure the feedback is timely and respectful and constructive um and and not stockpiling it and all of those things along with making feedback constant making it not only negative constant feedback but just always being in conversation and being in relationship and you also have a lot of one-on-ones every week and I feel like that's probably a really good even though I, I hate meetings and I hate how many meetings you have sometimes <laughs> um, but I'm sure that that leaves the loop open all yes. the time right because people know every week they're going to get a chance to connect with you and and sort of just share what's going on and probably makes it, probably desensitizes them to any sort of like, ah. Yeah, I, I, think, it, I think it's 100% true. And I, I think the other thing, especially if you're in a position of, it's different than if you're talking like to a, your partner or like a peer. Right. But if you're in a position of perceived authority, there's also this perception and baggage that comes from that relationship mm -hmm. where feedback's a one-way street. Mm -hmm. And I think the other thing to establish trust if you are a leader in any capacity 
is to create space and to almost like force the feedback back to you. Like, what can I do better to support you? Yeah, what do you, what, yeah, yeah, yeah. what could you, you know, um, get more of from me that you're already getting or, or what do you need from me that you're not getting? Right. Because if you can create that trust where they know they can give you feedback and not be held like, you know, in an, in an, in an accountable way negatively, right. then it continues to evolve that, that circle. So I guess my question is like, how do you personally um, avoid sort of any ego traps, right? So you are asking for feedback also. Mm-hmm. And feedback is not always good. And so I guess I'm, my question to you is, as a, as a level-headed person, as a relatively easygoing human, when you get feedback that you don't like. And let's just say that the source is good, right? Someone that you trust and have a relationship with gives you feedback that is not great. Yep. What do you do? How do you process it? What are the steps you take in your brain? How do you separate the behavior from the emotion? Walk me through that. Yeah, I mean, it's very similar to like listening to you on your anti-racism journey and how to talk to people about allyship. It's about... First off, not centering yourself, right? Oh, this is so... I would have never guessed that you would have said that. Okay, I'm listening. Go. I mean, literally, you ha- you have to listen to the behavior. You have to understand the perspective that the person is coming from mm-hmm. and, like, what what is the why behind it? And then being able to kind of rationalize in the moment and, you know, um, unpack how much of this is conflation and how much of this is accurate. And sometimes, if the feedback is visceral... You can appreciate the feedback and you can say, you know, we'll follow up on this right next time because maybe you need some time to process it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that's the biggest thing, right? You've got to kind of pack your first in- instinct to just defend because that isn't going to establish yeah. trust. Yeah, it's yeah, really yeah. hard yeah. sometimes. Um, but also truly looking at, you know, at the behavior. And if they call you, if they're, if they're ever like, you know, you're just a shitty leader, like you have to push on that and say, well, you know, help me understand specifically what is it that makes you feel like I'm a shitty leader. Right. Right. Um, and then at some point in time, there may be accuracy in what they say and there may not be accuracy in what they say. And then at least you have a thread that you can start to, to pull yeah. on. Yeah. I like that. Thank you. Because I also I think of feedback in many different capacities and, of course, from an anti-racism lens um you know because how do I want to put this because a lot of white people that I know and that I'm in community with have sort of not everyone of course but a lot of folks have had visceral reactions over the last few years about what they what they think their role might be in this overall reckoning we're experiencing and people wrestling with the guilt and shame that they feel for simply being white or for not speaking up in certain moments or for sort of, you know, saying things like, you know, I don't really get political or, you know, my Instagram's not for that or whatever, whatever, whatever. Um, and I, 
And I think that on both ends, and that's why we started using we collectively a lot of a lot of uh, black creators and and DEI consultants and whatnot. We started using the phrase calling in versus calling out. And to me, that simple shift is like the art of feedback yep. in and of itself. Yep. It's like I actually I don't want to I don't want to create this world where you know you're over there and I'm over here that's how we got here in the first place right I want to I want to pull you in I want you to see me I want you to believe me I want you right I I want us to be on the same team right but you have to hear the feedback and then do something about it right and not get caught up in your emotions right you have to like take it away process it and then and then come back like reemerge as as maybe uh, an evolution of of your former self. Yeah. Right. Yeah, that's absolutely true. And I, you know, I think in that in that process, um, it's about like finding some place where there's a shred of common ground, mm, right? Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. Because th- then again, right, you can you can take the feedback in context, and you can bring the feedback back to something that hopefully will be less egocentric yeah. for the individual, right? Because yeah. they can now see themselves, even if you two are polar opposites. Right. I think about this too in terms of, you know, we're not there yet, but inevitably as Zion gets older and, you know, as much as I think he is a perfect child, everyone won't. <laughs> so there will be some moment, right, where some teacher, some coach, some parent, somebody is going to give me a piece of feedback around my son and I'm going to I'm going to lose my shit, I'll be honest, because I created this life. Right. Right? And like for me, cuz I think I'm I think I'm really good at receiving feedback actually. Giving it uh I definitely have room for opportunity because I as mean as like I think I am, I really hate hurting people's feelings, and I know that sometimes like because everybody's trying so hard, right? And so like when you're trying so hard and it doesn't work, it's just crushing when somebody just confirms it, like, "Hey, this is not working." Um, so I I won't say that I'm the best at giving feedback, but I'm pretty good at receiving feedback and separating the parts. But I know that for me, that's going to be the biggest challenge because it's going to be the biggest blow to my ego because he came from me right. right I can separate my work from my ego enough but like my child oh that part's gonna be, I'm gonna need you to like ground me when that <laughs> happens because I'm gonna want to burn everything down right and we see this yep. with moms a lot dads yep. sometimes too yeah but but I can now I can understand because before I would just be like oh that bitch is crazy but it's like no no, she's not. Actually, she is. She she is feeling like she's being called out for the thing that she cares about the most in this world, and that's hard. It, it's it's immensely. It's probably harder for that than listen to feedback on yourself, yeah. right? To listen to oh, feedback yeah. on your child, yeah. Um, but I but I also think I mean this this gets into much different things, but it's indicative of 
you know, a lot of formal policies and whatnot that are in schools. Because sometimes feedback happens without the context of the child, just yeah. because of a general rule. That's true. Yeah. And, and like, that's not fair either. It, that isn't fair either, right? I mean, again, if you look at look at how many how many children, especially children of color, and look at their attendance rates, look at like you know how tardy they are. And then a lot of times ask the, the follow-up question, right? They had to babysit, you know, to get their, yeah. their sibling on a bus. So they yeah. had to run pickup after. So they had to leave school, whatever it might be. There's story and context that isn't taken into account. Right. So the only thing that people do is they judge the child. They judge the child, they judge the parent, and they punish. Yeah. yeah. Um, but the net is, is that this is the art of feedback. I keep saying that because there's... To me, there's no other way to describe it other than an art. It's something that I think needs to be practiced on yep. both ends, giving yep. and receiving. Um, and there is, it's so tied into connection that, you know, that's all I can say. But um, it truly is something that is so universal um, and can be used in all kinds of person-to-person interpersonal aka <laughs> relationships <laughs> shut up we got no sleep last night and i feel like i'm doing fabulously you're doing beautiful baby given that zion didn't stay asleep for more than 90 minutes at a time a true statement. um okay uh is there sort of anything else you wanted to say before we wrap this up i mean i i feel like um Is there, if if you wanted people to remember one thing about giving feedback, yeah, I mean, what to, would it be? To me, it's what we started with, which is your three things. Like truly, um, and and of the three, it's more about like focus on the thing, the behavior, versus like you're a shitty partner, you're a horrible player, right? Like, how stupid are you? How could you do that? Like, those are things that are going to just innately shut people down. And it doesn't matter what you say after that. It's going to be lost. That's true. Right. So, And then for the person receiving feedback, if there's one takeaway that would be helpful, what would that be? Um, I think the first thing is, is just take a breath. Process what's being said. Right. And... Ask for time if you don't think you can collect yourself. Um, really try to avoid centering yourself. And if you're going to engage in a dialogue, focus on the behaviors back. So if you're going to, if you are going to defend a particular position, um, don't use it as a yin and yang thing. I did X because you did Y. Right. Um, right. Truly provide feedback in the moment. If you did something wrong, then definitely own it. As much as like that might feel shitty. Yeah. Yeah. You know what comes to mind, just like real quick, um, because you're so inspiring when you talk. There's like two phrases that I think are useful that I've used for sure. And that I I think I might have heard you use. But one is, could you tell me more about that? Yes. It's like such a great way to... um, I don't want to... Not deflect, but it... But truly, like, learn more about, like, what the person thinks and it gives you, like, extra time to just, like, process and maybe, like, get a little more context, right? Um, And then the other thing that might be super useful is, like, um, 
you know, walk me through how you would have done it differently. I, 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 so I love both of those, right? And it goes back to the point that you were alluding to earlier, which is sometimes the best way to give feedback is to ask someone to self-assess. Put them in the driver's seat, yeah. right? How do you think that went? Yeah. And see where it goes. Yeah. And sometimes people are going to call themselves out. And then, <laughs> and then you don't have to do anything yeah. other than be supportive. Um, which, but, like... Because people make mistakes, right? 100%. So, like, you might say, how do you think that went? And the person's going to be like, oh, my God. Like, this happened, and, and my kid didn't sleep last night, and then I spilled coffee on myself on the way to work, and my laptop shut down, it, right? Like, so you might not even need to say anything yes. because you already know yes. it's an outlier, and it's probably never going to happen again. Yes. Completely true. Oh, I love this conversation. I could talk about this all day because I, there are so many examples and so many moments in my life where – um, I've just had s- such a good teaching moment from either like giving or receiving at work in my relationship with you, right? In my other failed relationships with other humans who I don't like very much anymore. <laughs> um, in friendships, yeah. in friendships that I still have, in friendships that have failed, like communication, when people say, communication is sort of like the basis of every relationship it truly is it's kind of the only way that you can survive other people is to be a great communicator to be clear to have clear boundaries for people to know how you feel to be respectful like all that is tied up in communication Uh, I yeah uh, completely true and you know in that context as well I think I think we don't give enough weight to the fact that words have power. So in the, in uh, the yeah, middle yeah, yeah, of a yeah, feedback yeah. session, especially if it starts to escalate into an argument, those words, right, they get buried deep. And even if, quote unquote, you resolve it in the moment, they don't go away. They yeah. sit there, right? And they become these little burning embers that will light back up in the next conversation. All right, I've tried to end this podcast like four times and then kept talking. So I feel like people are going to get mad. We have to go. <laughs> They have stuff to do. Okay. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you, everyone. Have a great week. Have a great week. Bye.